0: So we're back after our little momentary break, and we're just going to continue talking about, um, you know, confidence and mm-hmm. another issue that comes up around sometimes parents being worried that their infant isn't getting enough nutrition. And mm-hmm. how how do you manage that in a clinical encounter? Like what kinds of things would you educate your patient about yes. to help make them feel confident that they are yeah. adequately meeting their baby's Yeah. Nutritional needs.
1: Yeah. I talk about this a lot. Um, I don't give any numbers personally. I don't give any numbers Mm -hmm. because I think numbers can be really stressful Mm -hmm. and hunger just doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. Some days I'm hungrier than others. Some days I'm thirstier than others. Breast milk is the baby's source of not only food and nutrition, but also, you know, hydration. So, Um, What I usually like to start out by saying, again, like you had said in the beginning, Mm. your breast milk evolves to match your baby's exact needs. So on day one, your breast milk is very, very little, and it's supposed to be little um, because your baby is little and their stomach is little. And actually always say like it's a good thing you're not making a ton of milk in the beginning because you could risk overfeeding the baby. So you're making this small amount of colostrum that's that really good um um nutritionally exactly dense. exactly um first milk system
0: yeah.
1: yes which lines that gut you know lots of research on the colostrum out there um and so it comes out in really small amounts it's a darker color and it's exactly perfectly made for what your baby can handle on day 1 and then as the baby grows the milk supply grows um so we'll talk a little bit about, you know, how to, how to, how breast milk is made and and how to stimulate your breast and all of that. But, you know, once your milk supply grows and again, it's, it's in proportion to it's, it's a supply and demand mechanism basically. So as often as you stimulate your breast, that's how much milk you're going to make, because that's how the breast stimulation tells your brain to, to make milk. That's why women or or, or, um, people who have, you know, triplets can, can make enough breast milk for all three of them. Um, so, you know, when I actually learned, so I did my CLC probably I think eight years ago. Um, so at the time my instructor had said that what she tells her patients is she tells them to draw a line for a day that represents mm-hmm. 24 hours. As long as there's eight to 10 feedings on that line, the baby's covered. Mm. She didn't care how far apart the feedings were, what time the feedings were, how long they were, as long as there was eight to 10 contacts Mm. on the breast. Mm. So now they make all these apps and there's Mm. much more fancier (laughs) ways to to track it. But usually the message I hone into my patients is if you're have 10, I'm conservative, so I say 10, Mm -hmm. if you have 10 contacts on your breast with, you know, um, with your baby feeding, I don't care if that, you know, 7 a.m. and then 8 and then 8.15 and then 11 and then 11, th- you know, mm. it, you know, because that, again, hunger works in that way that, yeah. you know, sometimes it's... you have something and then you're immediately thirsty after. And sometimes you need a to stretch to, to not have anything at all. One of my biggest pet peeves, Kathy, and I still hear <laughs> this. To, I, I don't know who's giving this message. I really don't. But I still hear mm. it. you've probably mm. heard it. The feeding every three hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it pisses me <laughs> off because it's so unattainable and unmanageable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is how you crash and you burn. Yeah. I've had the patient who's setting the alarm at midnight oh. and then 3 a.m. Oh. and then 6 a.m. and then because na- she was told she has to feed every oh. three hours. Oh. So she's waking herself up and her baby oh. up to feed, oh. you know, and you oh. adrenaline will maybe let you for like a week or two, but then that just becomes unmanageable. And on the reverse, I've had patients in my office, you know, with babies who are showing very um, uh, loud and clear hunger signs, right? Mm -hmm. So babies, when they're hungry, you, again, you wouldn't think that they'd be able to tell you, but yeah, they're stirred around. Right? right? If a baby's relaxed and chilling, they're not hungry. But if they're moving their head, they're looking for something in their hands and their mouth, that's a hunger cue. And I've had patients say, well, it's only been an hour, so right. I can't feed yet. Right. i got to wait for two hours. The and what you're going to have is like a really upset, angry baby. And then it just comes And then spiral. feeding is yeah. difficult when you have an angry, upset exactly. baby. Exactly. Exactly. So I really try to tell patients you might hear the every three. Now I will say one, one, one exception to that rule, of course, if there's a medical reason why the baby needs to have a lot of fluid. So mm-hmm. sometimes if a baby is born with jaundice, mm-hmm. you know, they might tell you, you know, you really have to feed frequently, frequently, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, but the majority of cases you go by what your baby's kind of showing you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so again, mm-hmm. if there's the 10 contacts on the breast, In 24 hours, you've covered your basis. They say about five to six wet diapers, so heavy, like so Mm -hmm. you know, wet Mm -hmm. diapers can also be a really good indicator of hydration. You can't use dirty diapers as an indicator because all babies kind of poop differently. Mm -hmm. So some babies actually, you know, Mm -hmm. it's some babies poop every day, some babies poop once a week, believe it or not, and all of that is fine. Yeah. But you can't really use that as a but but pee is a very good indicator of hydration mm-hmm. and that your baby is hydrated getting and getting enough, enough food. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then like we said before, you can't see the milk, but you can see your baby swallowing. And I teach my patients how to look for that. You can hear the milk being swallowed. Mm-hmm. Um, your breasts feel less full. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> once exactly. you start to cue into exactly. that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, um, your baby's grow, you know. Your your baby's growing now. There's one one thing I do want to say is that you know babies do lose weight when they're born, and that mm-hmm. can be really scary. Again, mm-hmm. for that 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 person who feels like all Anxious. of the responsibilities on her shoulders to feed, to see that there's a weight loss, can be what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, but that's normal. So to mm-hmm. just let your patients know that it is normal for the baby to lose weight. They should get back to birth weight in about seven days, mm-hmm. um, and that breast. Fed babies actually grow slower than formula babies. They grow for a longer time, but they grow slower. And the growth charts don't separate breastfed and and formula fed babies. So when they hear things like the 80th percentile, and that might sound scary. Mm-hmm. It's probably because they're being compared to the formula fed baby, right? Mm-hmm. The
0: whole. So Damn just
1: it. just keeping keeping that in mind. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I love sort of the idea of empowering people to that, you know, your baby and Mm. learning your baby's cues, you're going to become so expert Mm -hmm. at this and sort of that whole idea of you're going to be the best one to know when your baby is needing to
1: eat. That being said, yes, that's so, so beautiful. That being said, I totally understand Postpartum is this time that your world's kind of flipped upside down, and mm. you're trying to hold on to some routine. Yeah. So I understand why you would do the every why you would be drawn to let's put the time that we breastfed down. Mm-hmm. Um. And I tell my patients if that makes you feel like more organized and you want to put the time down, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But you know, really mm-hmm. try to try to go by hunger cues and um, not you know, the time of day. Um, the other thing that I talk about is co-sleeping co- for the first few months, mm-hmm. um, in the same room, of mm-hmm. course, you mm-hmm. know, um, and there's been some research that actually shows that if mom and baby sleep in the same room in the first few months, they actually sync up hormonally and will wake mm-hmm. up together when the baby's hungry. Cause that's mm-hmm. a common fear. Like what if I sleep through mm-hmm. my baby's mm-hmm. hunger? Yeah. Um, usually I always tell my patients, you know, your baby will tell you if they are hungry. I promise you they won't they won't sleep through hunger, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. um the waking the baby up to feed is really not necessary unless mm-hmm. there's a medical reason. Mm-hmm. But I promise you that if your baby's sleeping they're not hungry. Mm-hmm. No baby has ever starved in their sleep cuz mm-hmm. they didn't wake up to mm-hmm. tell you they were mm-hmm. hungry. So mm-hmm. there really is no reason to 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 wake baby up. But some moms worry that they might not wake up if the baby's up but they actually show that if you're in the same room, you kind of sync up and you will, you will wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah. So a push for being mm-hmm.
0: cued in, even when yes. it's sleep time, yes. Have, being able to be cued. In. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Speaking of sleep, I I want to emphasize how sleep is so vitally important more than anything. Right. Because sleep will, you know, stress, like we were saying before when we were talking about support, stress constricts the milk ducts. It, um, slows down the milk, uh, let Production. down reflex. Yes. And so it is really important that above all else, moms are taking care of themselves mentally, you know, mm-hmm. and sleep is a huge, huge, um, part of that. So I will often talk about, um, when you can introduce the bottle of breast milk mm-hmm. so that you can share the responsibility of yeah. breastfeeding. Cause yeah. you know, the recommendation for how long you should breastfeed a baby, um, according to several medical academies is six months exclusive breastfeeding. So baby doesn't need any formula, doesn't need any water, doesn't need anything other than breast milk for six months. That can sound like a really long time to someone who's just gone through nine months of pregnancy, you know? So I like to take things one step at a time, Mm -hmm. step at a time. The first step skin to skin. We'll Mm -hmm. talk probably later about what, how that kind of gets started, but You know, the second step is, um, you know, adjusting to that schedule and going home and getting a good latch. Once you've figured out the latch, then it's absolutely fine to pump your milk and share with your partner the responsibility of feeding through the night so you can get some uninterrupted sleep. Now, when is that? All babies are different. Mm-hmm. Some babies, you know, it's a learned behavior, just like walking. Some babies walk at ten months, and mm-hmm. some babies walk at eighteen. Mm-hmm. So, for the average baby, usually they say around three weeks they've gotten the latch mm-hmm. down, and once mm-hmm. they've learned the latch, they can't unlearn. You mm-hmm. know, so there's the nipple confusion mm-hmm. is a a, a a thing that happens when. Um, the latch isn't really established quite yet, and other types of nipples are being introduced. Mm-hmm. But once the breast latch is is really established, there's absolutely no harm in giving breast milk through a bottle. Oh, wow. I think that really helps spread the responsibility and wealth, if that's what women choose to do. I've had patients who say, oh, you know what? It's just easier, easier. to put it on the yeah. breast. But yeah. but definitely for nighttime feeding, I don't want women to think that they're going six months having to do all the nighttime feedings
0: or that they're bad mothers. If they Mm -hmm. are
1: allowing someone else to
0: feed with a bottle so that they can get some rest. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So that idea, this whole idea of latch being to the nipple versus the bottle nipple. So That the the baby really, you know, I always heard it as it's a little bit harder for a baby to get milk from a nipple. They have to learn a little bit more than from a bottle nipple. So we really want to reinforce that. Once that's established, though, they're not
1: going to unlearn it. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Breast milk from a bottle comes out a lot easier. The baby could have a shallow latch and it's not hurting anyone. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, Nobody gets nipple fizzers. Exactly. Exactly. So... Um, I I like to use the analogy of learning how to swim. If I teach you how to swim first with flippers on, you know those long rubber um, fins that make mm-hmm. make you Strong much stronger, yeah, right. And then you learn how to swim, and then I take them off. Mm-hmm. You're really gonna struggle swimming without them. You're gonna be upset. You're gonna want them back, right? But if you know how to swim already, and I give you fins, you're like, oh, this is cool. Mm-hmm. But if I take them away, you still can swim. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I think you know. I'm, I am, you know, and I think it's really important also to not be the formula police as a women's health nurse practitioner. I never judge. I never get upset or discouraged or disappointed. The one time that I'm really adamant about no bottles and formula, I, th- I feel personally is in the hospital uh-huh. because I feel like in the hospital, you have enough support and, um, and, and staff around you that, um, that, that, you know, the bottle with the formula in the bottle should not be an option. Um, I totally understand three in the morning at your house, you're tired, you know, you stabilize the situation with formula. It's the first introduction to processed food is what I say. But at the hospital, those are the really delicate days where the baby's learning how am I getting food? What does my food taste like? Where is my food coming from? And so, if you do give formula early on in the hospital, you're basically again putting flippers on the baby and telling them it's sweet. It tastes like this every single time. Um, you know, there's no there's there's no change in the taste of formula the way there is breast milk, and it comes out easily you don't got you don't have to really do anything mm-hmm. for it
0: mm-hmm. so and so this whole idea of baby friendly hospitals mm-hmm. do you want to say a little bit about that yeah kind of in that vein yeah
1: yeah so I would say you know if you are the first you know you should ask a few questions when you are uh first seeking for the jobs mm-hmm. um oh, I'm yeah. talking oh, from a woman's health yeah. nurse practitioner yep. standpoint for mm-hmm. a second um one of the questions you should ask is where are my patients going to deliver? Yes. Cause that's going to make a huge difference on their experience. If it's a baby friendly hospital or not, I've worked in both. And right now I am lucky enough to work in a baby friendly hospital, which means my patients are all getting an hour skin to skin postpartum. Um, they there's a, 24-hour CLC at the hospital. They don't give formula or diaper bags with samples, pacifiers, things like that. And babies and mom are allowed to room in together. Mm. So this has been a really great structural change on birthing practice in the United States, and this is recent. You know, mm-hmm. this isn't. You know, we've all seen the movies that all the babies get wheeled to the nursery, right. and the dad's standing on the other side of the glass. You know, right. and the intention was never bad that way. It was to let them the, 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 the mother the sleep, sleep and, and rest. Yeah. But what we were finding was these really stressed out babies in the nursery because they weren't skin to skin, and they were often getting formula because if one baby woke up, right, they all did. So, right. so now we've kind of realized the best place the baby. Um, should be postpartum is skin to skin. And again, it's not only for like that outer utero adjustment that we were talking about, but that's when the breasts are going to first get the stimulation to make breast milk. And you can stimulate your breasts with a pump, with your hand, but no one will do it better than your baby. Mm-hmm. And that's where that video really mm-hmm. like emphasizes that again. message mm-hmm. that, you know, your baby's pheromones, just the baby's touch, the baby, just the way that like the baby is born knowing exactly what it needs to do will be the best way to stimulate your breast to make more, to make milk. Right. Um, so, um, so yes. So, so skin to skin. So we were talking about sort
0: of the different what you break it down. So the hospital piece, yes.
1: The skin to skin and then. Yeah. So the first thing I actually talk to patients about is what kind of birth are you hoping to have if there's any kind of, and then that's where I incorporate the skin to skin piece. Mm-hmm. If there is a patient who knows they're going to need a C-section for medical reason, then you can still definitely do skin to skin after C-section. That's important that they know. Um, um And then just kind of, again, reiterate, I usually tell my patients, you know, skin to skin the whole time they're in the hospital, Mm. you know, so just pack something that's open and you can Mm -hmm. hold your baby as much as you can. Mm -hmm. A big thing I talk about, especially with first time parents, are um, hospital guests, Mm -hmm. family guests, even Mm -hmm. those first few days at home, Mm -hmm. establishing boundaries, letting people Mm -hmm. know my breast will be out. Mm -hmm. So if you would like to come visit, Mm -hmm. you know, you... That's what's going to be happening, mm-hmm. you know? And that's a really great place where your support people can advocate and, and say, all right, come at this time mm-hmm. and don't overstay your mm-hmm. welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, yeah. if, if, um, you know, if grandma's holding the baby a little too long, your support person can really help and say, like, all right, it's time for right. baby to go back on this skin. Because mm-hmm. it can be hard as, as a woman to have to advocate for that because yeah. I feel, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. So, yeah. So we talk a lot about, you know, women want to know, like, what should they bring to the hospital? And i always saying, you know, comfortable things to do skin to skin with so that your baby and you could kind of be close You know, Mm -hmm. partners can Mm -hmm. certainly do skin to skin. There's a lot of health benefits for that as well. Um, So for them as well to just bring something that they can do skin to skin. And so now hospital stays are getting shorter and shorter. Um, But, um, even when you go home and you transition to home, those first few days are really beautiful days to just kind of dedicate yourself to doing that skin to skin and, um, bonding and getting breastfeeding off to a good start. Mm -hmm. So the other thing I often talk about again at the 30 week appointment is, do you have other kids at home? Do you have pets? Do you have other things that you can kind of square away now? Mm -hmm. Um, so that you can prioritize breastfeeding a little bit on those first few days. Mm -hmm. And those are really nice things to think about while you're pregnant. You know, Mm -hmm. the FMLA paperwork, finding Mm -hmm. a pediatrician. You don't want that stuff kind of... Hanging Mm -hmm. over your head while there's a newborn as well. You ideally want a situation where you can come home from the hospital and really just do skin to skin and get breastfeeding again off to that good start because it's a learned behavior. And, you know, it's once the baby learns it, then um, they learn it. That's basically where I stop at 30 mm-hmm. weeks. Then mm-hmm. I say, I'll see you at a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't talk about going back to work uh-huh. or things like that, because that can feel really overwhelming. overwhelming. Um, I to talk get people through those early days. Those early days. Mm-hmm. The, your, your goal is to just do skin to skin and to have patience. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I like to use a lot of analogies in breastfeeding education, but I talk about, you know, just because the baby might not be born a great breastfeeder doesn't mean it will won't get there. You know, mm-hmm. it's like walking if your baby doesn't walk immediately. You don't say, you know what, I don't think this is for them. Right. They're never gonna yeah. walk right. <laughs> you know, let's right. just get a wheelchair and call it a day, right? You're letting them fall. You're you know, giving them the patience. And again, I get that this is different because you have the pressure of feeding. But that's again, where my role as a lactation counselor really plays, you know, that those are the phone calls I get where there's a lot of, you know, it's, everything's okay. You know, you, you've, you've had 10 contacts in 24 hours, you've had, you know,
0: mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so yeah. So usually when I see them at the week visit, that's when I'm observing the latch, you know, that's when I'm observing the milk transfer. I'm, I'm observing what the baby looks like, the weight gain. Um, and then at that point you address any tangible questions that the that patient has at that time of, of their baby, you know, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, then we get to see them at six weeks again mm-hmm. um, for the postpartum visit. And that's the visit that um, I talk about going back to work, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So you had told me you have 12 weeks, you're halfway there, mm-hmm. six weeks, you know, what's, what's your plan? Have you tried to, you know, you know, that's kind of when that conversation happens, you yeah. know, because yeah. you want to take it, step by step and yeah. not, again, make it feel like, oh, my gosh, it's a six-month commitment.
0: Right, right. And let's talk a little bit in our remaining mm-hmm. eight minutes yes. about, you know, so then there are some people who are going back to work. And yes. so to full-time, demanding jobs, they yes. may have real challenges around yes. being able to pump or um store milk. Yes. So what kinds of, you know, encouragement or strategies yes. would you – bring up with your patients?
1: Yes. Um, the first thing I would say, and this speaks to how women's health nurse practitioners can get involved in legislation mm-hmm. is know the policies mm-hmm. number one, right? So Massachusetts state laws requires two 15 minute breaks and a 30 minute break, so a total of an hour of a break, um, in a private room designated for the patient to breastfeed in and private room does not include bathroom or, um, car right mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. patients choose to breast pump in it pump in their car and, mm-hmm. and that's really fine but I would say the first thing is to know the what what the what the woman's rights are mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. to also the, again empower her and I'm always telling patients you know you are cost to replace you mm-hmm. know I know you're so you there can be a worry that well I'm gonna go back to work now I'm now I'm asking for two 15 minutes breaks, but you know what's harder than giving you two 15 minute breaks Just is hiring someone else, training a new person. Yeah. And um, you know, and I always, you know, stress with women that if your baby's breastfed, that's gonna mean less illness for the baby, which mm-hmm. means less time for you out mm-hmm. for you. Right. Um and if you feel supported at work, you're gonna be more present at work. You're gonna give more at work. So mm-hmm. to really start having those conversations. Um, equally as exciting is new legislation that's passing in 2021 with Mm -hmm. the 12 weeks paid maternity leave. That's huge for us. That was a huge win. Yeah. And I think, um, in Massachusetts only, but yes, yes. Other states have it too, but yes. And hopefully that is something that soon we'll be able to say is, is is nationwide. It's about time. Um, but so, so knowing that as well, you know, um, I can't imagine how different my conversations will get to be then, you know, yeah, right now right. they're, they're hard. Right, um, right. because I, I do, and I'm sure you've seen this too. I've had patients go back four or five, six weeks postpartum. Yeah. Cause financially they needed yeah, to. Yeah. And so Very at that difficult. point, you really don't have as much time to get acquainted with a pump to store a milk supply. So you're really, um, you're really given a lot of support to that patient. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And particularly for me, it was women who were in low wage jobs and, mm-hmm. you know, had a lot of job insecurity, yes. you know, and some of the challenges and, um, you know, I have to say, I think those workers really face added burdens mm-hmm. around, you know, the, the logistics of trying to support or you know, maintain their ongoing breastfeeding. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So my message often was you've done a great job yes. breastfeeding at all. At like all. really wanting to make sure that we, you know, applaud people who do it for a day, yeah. do it for a week, do it for three weeks. Yes. You know.
1: Any breast milk you give is great. However you give it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. That's often my message too. Yeah. Um Yeah, and and You can, you know, it's not ideal to breastfeed at home and then do formula when you're not at home, but that is possible. Mm -hmm. It's not ideal just because you're getting less stimulation and your milk supply kind of dies down a little bit, but that definitely still is possible. Now they're making also better pumps that Mm -hmm. are a little bit more discreet, like the wireless pumps. Yeah and insurances are covering not all but some insurances do cover them yeah. so that's really exciting too because then you have the pump that a woman can actually wear underneath her clothes right. so she's not having to take the break if she doesn't get it yeah. um yeah even though yeah. Legally she should be yeah. getting it yeah. but but for um, some innovations that support yes. breastfeeding yes yes mm-hmm.
0: um yeah Are there any other, let's see, I'm just trying to think, are there any other topics we haven't had a chance to mention
1: that we feel like are important? Um, We talked about skin-to-skin, honestly, if you can do one thing, if you can advocate and teach for one thing, is skin-to-skin. And I think that's just because a lot of the breastfeeding issues, I'll say... I trace them back to the hospital. Mm. I trace back to bottles and formula given a little too early Mm -hmm. baby and mom being separated. Um, and then you get to the point where the baby's belly is large enough that it's not matching what the milk supply is at that Mm -hmm. moment because there Mm -hmm. wasn't that stimulation. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I do really, if there's one thing, it's that skin to skin holding your baby. Mm -hmm. And if you and baby do get separated doesn't mean you're doomed Mm -hmm. just remember to stimulate your breasts either with your hand or with your pump and let all your advocate for your baby let everybody know that's a breastfeeding baby Mm -hmm. you know they can put little stickers on their bassinets as Mm -hmm. they roll through the hospital Mm -hmm. um you know and what One of the great reasons why I do this conversation at 30 weeks, it gives the patients some time to talk to their families, to talk to their support people, to talk to their employees and do kind of make a plan. So it's more tangible in your head. Like, what is this going to look like for Mm -hmm. me? Mm -hmm. Um, What is that transition home going to be like for me? What can I get squared away now? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, you know, I also, I hate to leave it on this note, but I Mm -hmm. also want to say, you know, postpartum depression, you know, just mm-hmm. check in on that because obviously that plays a big role in um breastfeeding. One of the biggest um symptoms of postpartum depression is disattachment from the baby. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine why that would be hard yeah. for the milk stimulation. Yeah. Um and that goes to speak even to the patient who has told you, oh, I breastfed 12 months with my last pregnancy mm-hmm. or I'm definitely going to breastfeed. I'm confident I got all my support in place. Even they need good support and check-in because every pregnancy is different and mm-hmm. we know that there can be, um, you know, every pregnancy is different or yeah. every postpartum period is it different. Is different right? Exactly. It can be
0: mood issues that mm-hmm. didn't arise in a, in a prior pregnancy yes. or
1: yes. postpartum period. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And take it step by step. I think that's, um, that's life in general
0: <laughs> one step at a time, especially just, as a parent. Mm-hmm. Right. Are there any particular resources? So, you know, if someone, mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking of two things in particular, one is like groups for women who yes. are
1: breastfeeding the baby cafes in your community. Yeah. So, yes.
0: so checking out baby cafes, giving people a list of baby cafes. Yes. Um,
1: yep. Letting patients know like who they can call. Um, what you know right when and where. problems don't always wait exactly. until the six-week
0: visit or even the one-week visit exactly. they may arise at any
1: time exactly i do highly suggest patients watch that magical hour video i think that's a really great video it's on youtube it's mm-hmm. free um to to see what really that looks like um and then um, if, they, if they do want to take a look, if, if you as a women's health nurse practitioner want to print out, like, what are the requirements for baby-friendly hospitals, you can print that out and give that to your patients as well so they know what to expect or they know what to advocate mm-hmm. for if they're not at a baby-friendly mm-hmm. hospital. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. Yeah. Well, I think we have covered so much. <laughs> I'm sure could we can go on. I know. We can go on all episodes. day. <laughs> but we're about at the end of our time. so. Um, I want to thank you thank for you so much. Uh, giving us your wisdom today and let's hope that we can go forward and inspire some other Future WHNPs Absolutely. to promote breastfeeding among their patients. And yes.
1: and I do teach a breastfeeding class, and WHNP students come for free at any time. Oh, so. good to know. So that, that's a so resource when too. When you're looking for clinical
0: hours to <laughs> yeah, fill, yeah. talk to me about how we can arrange that because that I know some great. of you are already. <laughs> a looking little self for those. advertisement. There. Thank you so much. Serena. Thank you, Kathy. Always okay. a pleasure. Bye. <laughs>